Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but the annuals don't count. Don't say it, Mark. Oh, I say it and spray it, Dan. <laughs> well, welcome to the Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. This is going to be one of our review episodes of the amazing spider talk. So strap yourselves in for some commentary on your favorite character and some of our favorite comics. I hope. Okay. Well, if you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present and future, subscribe to amazing spider talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. Well, Dan, today on the show, you and I are going to be talking about Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Number 86, entitled Beyond, Chapter 12. This issue was written by Zeb Wells with art from Michael Dowling, colors from Brian Balanza, a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez, and of course, Letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. This issue was first released in stores on January 19th, 2021. Yeah, and I'm going to get right into my summary of the issue. So in this issue, Marcus sends Ben on a mission to defeat the criminal Hellbomb, but Ben disobeyed Marcus's directives and got a lot of property destroyed. Later, Ben is reluctant to talk with Dr. Kafka about the incident, unfazed by the damage, but he is concerned about his placement in the Beyond Corporation. Janine, meanwhile, reveals that Ben slipped her the drive in his mask in the previous issue. She stares at the drive, unsure of what to do. Ben opens up to Kafka that he no longer trusts Beyond, and surprisingly, Kafka agrees with him. Kafka says that she asked for autonomy from Beyond before signing on, but she and Ben are both pretty dumb because a few floors up, Maxine Danger is covertly recording the session between them. Ben tells Kafka about Doc Ock's drive, and then she opens up about what she knows about Ben. Apparently, Beyond wanted a Spidey with a clean slate. So they've been wiping his memories and she's been using her ring to stitch him back together. Ben then hints that Beyond doesn't seem to just be playing the superhero game. Remember the UFOs, Mark? 
Oh, I remember, Dan. All the way back, well, issue one. <laughs> well, it, it looks like Beyond was behind that just as we suspected. Maxine ends the session with Sonics and tranquilizers, and as she takes Ben away, Kafka begs that they not wipe his memory again. Meanwhile, Marcus checks in on Janine and lies to her, so she uses a knife to take him hostage and sneaks him out of Beyond at Maxine's also really dumb approval. Maxine orders a mind wipe on Ben, but it goes out of control when they find Ben demolishing his own formative memories as his mind tears apart and collapses inward. Well, there you go, Dan. I mean, that was a very eventful issue of Amazing Spider-Man. To say I the know, least. I know. <laughs> it's almost as if we've been on pause for a little while and Zeb coming back just kind of kicked us back into gear. And I think that's a great place to start on a review of this issue is like Zed's not dead or Zeb in this case is not dead. He's back. Boy, I think this issue kicks this story into high gear now, which is weird because I think we're getting a Peter issue next. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but this thing just felt like a rocket just strapped onto this story. And now they're like, there seems like there might actually be momentum. So it'll be a real bummer if that's not the case. But boy, I appreciated it. You know, we've been lamenting the pacing of this title. And this was just enough to get me back on board with what's going on with Beyond and all of this. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, the Patrick Gleason Peter focused issue from a few weeks ago. I mean, that was, a I think, a really good entry in Beyond. But it's really been kind of hit or miss and and you know you and I were both saying in our most recent review that the Ben story had really kind of stalled out for us so this this gets Ben's story moving with very positive momentum again and this is this is good stuff and Wells you know clearly Wells is is the mastermind of this arc he is the driver but you know like it does make you wonder a little bit how much how much of a concept did they truly have here to drive forward this this beyond arc. I mean, I know they even added a couple of chapters to it, but like, you know, as as we kind of experienced a lot during the Nick Spencer run, we were getting a lot of like, I felt like standing in place in some of the prior issues related to Ben. So, I mean, whereas I, I tip my hat for them moving the story forward in such a dramatic and, and I think a positive way in terms of it being compelling does make me, you know, it, it's kind of a, a backhanded compliment to be like, yes, this is great that you're doing this, but like, you know, why, why, why were we, you're telling me we couldn't have moved this a little more incrementally prior to this for, you know, before having a big reveal like this? I don't know, Dan, am I, am I being a little too picky here? No, I mean, this is 10 issues or nine issues after we last got a Zeb Wells issue. And that felt like the one that truly moved Ben's story forward. You know, I mean, I guess we've had a few little minor things here and there, but really, I, I think if you had this issue kind of right after the second issue, I don't think I would have blinked for a second if we had seen this. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is kind of like the depiction of Ben, which we can talk about, like his the way his arc is being handled. But but I do, I mean, to, to kind of get it, like beyond the comic, I actually think this is an interesting timing of this issue, which is like, we've all been feeling kind of down on the book. And then here comes Zeb Wells to just inject some energy back into it. And you time this up with the announcement that he's taking over the book with John Romita Jr. I mean, what a good week for Zeb Wells. Like, 
Like this really warmed me to him because it made me feel like, oh, this guy actually can write this thing. So and as we discussed in our episode where we talked about the new creative team, I mean, like, you know, and and, and this is not meant as disrespect as Ev Wells, but like, you know, I think kind of universally the the excitement was more on the end of John Romita Jr. coming back to Spider-Man. And, and with Zeb Wells, it was more like, I mean, at least in terms of you and I, it was like, well, he's done some good stuff on Spider-Man in the past. I mean, you know, we really haven't seen like a consistent run of big, memorable stories from him. So, you know, there's still that curiosity. But like, you know, I, I think a, a book like this kind of proves that he can he can swing for the fences here and do some big stuff. We'll we will see where this all goes and we will see what Zeb does paired off with John Romita Jr. But like, you know, anyone who thinks that Zeb is going to be a total lightweight here, I think like, you know, they they can look at this comic and see the 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 opposite of that case. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to I have to get into talking cynically and I don't like being this guy. But like, you know, you mentioned them adding a few issues on. I mean, it seems clear to me that they've teed up JRJR, you know, to do six issues to land him at issue 900. Right. So that he can do that big issue that he's probably been working on for months. And so they're just kind of like giving Zeb the time to work on whatever's coming after this. And so, like, I almost feel bad for the other writers because you know, it, it feels to me like you're right. There's a bit of a flimsy story going on here and the other writers couldn't really move the plot forward because it's being dictated by Wells. But at the same time, like I think this depiction of Ben feels much more akin to what I expect the character to be and like what I would have wanted the character to be in this story. Um, and so let, let's talk about like, the depiction of Ben in this comic, because I could see how this, this part of the arc to me, at least matches up with well, what Wells wrote before. Like I think of all the writers, Wells wrote Ben as the company man, the most. And what's been weird about this story so far to me is that like, I and we've been saying on the show, like, I don't know if Ben really believes in beyond or anything he's doing. He's constantly kind of subverting them but like, I wish that he had been like a real company man because then this kind of like backstabbing would feel more violent on his part, you know, like because he had invested in them and here they were manipulating him that the violent anger that we see in this issue would feel really justified because he felt so cheated. And that like everybody in between the Zeb Wells entries has just been kind of like, well, we have to make Ben seem kind of like, I guess you were saying it before, not dumb, but at the same time, like if he had thrown himself into this thing completely, I think this issue's emotional resonance would be even stronger. And I already liked it. You know, frankly, there's also kind of like, you know, with any kind of weird characterization of Ben, you know, now we kind of have the, the built in excuse of, well, his mind was wiped, you know what I mean? Which I think kind of sets it up too. you know, like we can, we can kind of, you know, excuse away any, and, and I'm not saying that that wasn't the plan all along and that's not why he, how he wasn't being written, but like, it's certainly, it's certainly a, a convenient plot point <laughs> for Ben to now have that uh, at his disposal. Part of the issue still is Dan and like, not to kind of harbor a point that, you know, kind of predates a single issue of beyond, but it's like, you know, I, I, I'm not, 
I'm still kind of in a weird place with Ben Riley, the character, in terms of do I truly care where this thing is going with him? You know what I mean? Like, like you know, it, it's it's just kind of hard to separate myself from that. You know, like this, if you know, if this is Peter, I, I you know, obviously there is far more emotional resonance for me to watch the character struggle but with ben it, it still kind of feels slightly disconnected so i don't know what, what am i again am i being a little off off kilter here no i mean i think for me like in that regard it's like there's no way to avoid just how random this story still feels 12 issues in like why ben why now there are beats in this where it's suggested that ben was the one who want, wanted his memories erased because of the corruption that had occurred to him during the clone conspiracy. And it was actually Kafka who put an end to the memory erasing because she felt it was too deleterious to his personality and, and actually dangerous. And we're going to, I think, see that in, in subsequent parts of this story. And it's weird because it kind of ignores Peter David's solo run with the character, but like, I didn't love that run. So I, I don't really care that it does. But it is kind of inconsistent and like Ben is kind of a nebulous personality. I, I don't know, at least in by the end of this issue, I felt like a like a lot more confident that I knew like what was driving him, even if it wasn't necessarily reflected in the issues that preceded it. What did you think of like this whole Ben Riley like clone thing? Like him and Kafka coming to like address that they're both clones. I mean, it was a good moment. I I I you know, like I think unfortunately part of that moment. The, the, some of the emotional resonance of that moment is kind of lost by the fact that, like, as you alluded to in your summary, these characters are acting incredibly dumb and naive <laughs> during yeah. this whole sequence. You know what I mean? Like, like you kind of want them to have this moment. But like, you know, they're both like, I say, I don't t- I don't trust beyond it's like neither do i and but that don't worry i have full autonomy and they won't interfere and you're just like oh please you know what i mean like i didn't even need to <laughs> you didn't even need to see the next panel to know that that maxine is going to be there listening so like you know like yeah I, I, like i said like some and and, and this issue is kind of uh, at two points kind of undermined by the fact that like characters just act really outrageously dumb um and it kind of you know takes a little i think takes a little bit of wind out of the sails you know i kind of like that that ben and and kafka have this moment um and you know you you, you kind of again get more of this idea like you know the the the, the thesis here of why why you know we've been saying from the get-go why exactly is beyond doing this you know and you know I've also been saying, why is Ben going along with it? Well, he's going along with it because, you know, again, the memory wipe. But like, okay, it makes much more sense now that Beyond is doing this because they feel like they they can have a hero that they can truly, truly mold and manipulate because of the blank slate that comes with being a clone. And you can say the same for Kafka. I mean, we don't know how many times Kafka's brain's been wiped, you know? So it's a, it's a fascinating dynamic that I do think is slightly undermined by the characters just kind of being dumb about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I would know Price, that I would say like the reason Kafka is dumb is because <laughs> they just keep wiping her mind too. Like, oh, oh, you're trusting in us? Oh, that's well, you distrust us. We're just gonna erase your mind over and over and over again. At the end of the day, though, I did appreciate these kind of like character moments, you know. And and I think Dowling's art really captures like it sensitively. It reminds me of like Bagley and Ultimate Spider Man. 
the you know just kind of talking heads in between panels it's nice to get a good quiet issue of spider-man for the most part like this we haven't had anything like that in in quite some time and i I think if anything that Wells has, it's kind of like really great pacing and and working with artists to really pace pages out well. And the you know there's there's a humanity in this book, even if they don't act entirely smart. That like I believe in that I haven't believed in in, in a in a lot of the other Spider-Man titles we've been getting. So I I appreciate that about uh, about this issue. And and then you've got a, a Brian Belenza's colors. He puts this like kind of orange color in in Ben's eyes. That's kind of fire, and it's really intense. Like that, he is not reacting to the actions he took uh, with Hellbomb, you know. And then he's talking to Kafka about it. I think there's a real intensity communicated on the page and the artwork that I, I really liked and appreciated. Um, Mark, before we finish our review of this issue, why don't you tell our listeners about where they can chat with us about all things Spider Man? Yeah, well, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on the Slack. The Amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. You know, I hang out in the Slack, and I've been talking on the Slack about this new Al Ewing, Ram V, and Brian Hitch Venom series. Mark, are you caught up on Venom at all? Uh, I'm about an issue behind right now, but it's it's pretty cool what I've read so I far. I mean, it, it's a wild and weird comic. I mean, it is swinging for the fences, and I'm not even necessarily sure I know what it's doing. But uh, <laughs> I, I do appreciate it, and uh, and new Brian Hitch art is always appreciated. So come talk to me about Venom. Maybe you can clear it up for me a little bit more than I seem <laughs> to understand it. And uh, yeah, come join our Slack. There's a link in the description. Come say hi to us. Ping me when you get there and we'll talk Venom if you really, really do uh, want to. All right, Mark, let's get back to talking about Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 86. And before we go on, you know, I really want to continue shouting out Art Adams covers on these issues. I mean, this one, I think, was like an iconic cover of Ben crouched and covered in spiders i mean i remember seeing the solicit for this and thinking oh boy i can't wait to get to that issue and you know i love these kind of symbolic pieces that kind of cover the emotional range of the issue are, are you uh, like have you always been an art adams fan or is this kind of a new discovery for you mark uh, this is definitely a newer discovery. I mean, like, I, 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 I mean, what else has he done? I mean, what, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I know the name, but I'm like trying to pin like a creative run with, with, with his artwork. Well, okay, I'll some, I'll bust out some really obscure ones for you. Like the thing where he first appeared for me was uh, the final run of Ultimate X Men, where they kind of like killed off all the X Men and had this new young team with like Wolverine's son before the book was canceled. And he, you know, he's been doing some Avengers stuff, I think, um, but he's kind of been like a, a little all over the place and not really had any long runs that I know of. But like. This consistency with the covers here is really wonderful. I think we've got some really great stuff from him. And this one to me was a standout. I don't know if we would call this a standout per se, but something that's worth talking about for this issue is I feel like we finally get some real traction with Janine's story. I mean, like, I don't know. She's Janine is kind of been one of the biggest letdowns for me of beyond. I feel like, you know, we, we just don't quite get what, 
the purposes here of her outside of being kind of, you know, something that's tethering Ben to beyond for reasons that we don't quite know. We, we kind of bust into her biography a bit here and she drives her action. Now, granted, there is like some stu- stupid, stupid reactions that come from her driving the action, but at least she's driving <laughs> action. And I appreciate that. Right. <laughs> I mean, a, a, a female character in a Spider-Man book that just exists to date the hero. Uh, I've never heard of that before, but no, I, I agree. I think this is the first time she's been truly interesting as a character in in the book. First of all, that kind of sleight of hand where they, you know, where Ben passed the mask to her in the last issue. I'll tell you, I was truly confused by that moment in the last issue and had no thought that like he was slipping her the drive. I felt like really tricked. Like I thought that was really clever when I opened this book up and a nice play across the different writers. I was not expecting this and was truly fooled. We didn't even talk about that on the last episode. Yeah, um, so I'm it, guessing it, it slipped by right you too. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was not. It was not a moment that stood out to me. But then seeing it kind of redone here was like, oh, okay, that was really cool. So I, I loved all of that and and seeing her kind of like looking at the dresser and uh, running events through her mind. And you know, if there's one thing you should know about Janine, you know, there was the drama around the murder of her father and. Was it her fault? Did she do it? And, you know, did she actually murder him? And here she's like leveraging that history to scare Marcus when she pulls a knife on him. And it's like, oh, cool. Like someone's actually doing something with Janine in an interesting way. Now, Mark, you I'm sure you're going to want to talk about the really dumb thing that happens, as I mentioned earlier in the in the well, review. Well, right. I mean, it's like, you know, she, she's got Marcus at like knife point or whatever you want to call it point. And, you know, like trying to trying to bust out and you know like marcus is radioing maxine and it's just like yeah yeah i just go <laughs> it's like wait what like, like you know like at the, at the exact moment that they're all kind of swarming on ben for you know and betraying ben so it's like wow you really you really didn't think this one through didn't you maxine like yeah you, you outsmarted one of them but 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 totally took your eyes off the prize with the other i mean like it's just you know, like you, you hate to see that in a, in a comic where like, you know, you, you, it's very clear that the story needs to get from point A to point B. And and but like they're kind of painted into a corner in terms of how to get there. So instead, they just kind of make people do dumb stuff. And that's Is what Maxine we got the only one watching the video feed. <laughs> yeah, know, like, yeah. 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 It's just um, it's just very bizarre to me. But you know what? Like I said, we're, we we. We're, we're, we're allowing Janine to be a lot more aggressive and assertive and, like I said, driving the driving her own story instead of just kind of being an accessory. You know, hopefully when we return to Ben Riley's story and another issue or two, we'll 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 get more of that. And, and that'll be good. I, I look forward to that because, like, you know. When when Janine was first introduced, I feel like a lot of fans were like, oh, my God, it's Janine. And like, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I, I, I not to sound dumb here, Dan, but I'm, I'm assuming she was introduced in Lost Years. I mean, is that what where? Right. Yeah. She's from so, Lost Years. So like, obviously, like the, 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 the clone saga nostalgia was taking over for some people. But like, you know, for me, she wasn't doing much of note in this book. So I didn't quite get the hype, you know, it's like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, so here we go. Well, I mean, to close this out, I just wanted to say like, you know, this book kind of made me excited for the title again. I mean, I mean, even if it's just down to like that, there is actual forward momentum that like 
can't really be stopped, right? I say that having not read next week's issue, but, you know, like there are, you know, dominoes that seem to be falling here. And I can't wait to see like what happens next. I'm actually really excited. And there's a bunch of seeds for things where, where things are going. So like, you know, I, I expect one of the next big, you know, shoes to drop is going to be that like, it seems clear that Beyond is also funding supervillains you know, starting with the UFOs, but probably moving into the lizard, right? Because we saw, you know, our, our favorite characters in the world uh, going to get the lizard. And we know there's the Goblin Queen coming up soon. And maybe that's a beyond creation as well. We're, we're starting to see like the pieces that were laid out, whatever, 12 issues ago, really kind of starting to come together. I don't know that I'm like loving to see the Spider-Man fighting each other, but I do think ultimately that's where it's headed. You've got like Ben losing his memories and maybe his Uncle Ben memory. And you've got Peter without strength and like what overcomes the other. Is it power or responsibility? We also got that idea, I think, at the beginning of the Nick Spencer run, right? Who who would be who would be superior, the one with the power or the one with the responsibility? Is that where you see this going, Mark? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, like, I, I do want to just add on there, too. I, I appreciated that, you know, you had mentioned the Uncle Ben memory. And it's like, I mean, again, we're we're, we're bringing we're, we're tying up all all of the I feel like the dangling ends here um, for what what was first introduced uh, when this started 12 issues ago. Um, you know, everything is starting to make sense now, which, you know, I know shouldn't be that big of a request in in a in a long form narrative story but based <laughs> based on what preceded it in terms of introducing ideas and then not really resolving them in a in a sensible way like I'm just glad that we're getting these answers now and we and we're truly understanding what's happening here like there's no other mystery to, in terms of that initial uncle ben faceless uncle ben vision you know what i mean like oh okay this is what's happening here i like that you know like Finally, some closure. <laughs> just, just give me some goddamn closure, please. I, I too, am kind of like nonplussed by a Spider-Man versus Spider-Man fight, although I'm assuming we're going to get like some big call outs to like 149 or something like that. You know, the first time the clone appeared. All I'm going to say is it would be nice for me as a reader and as a fan, you know, if we're going to go through this whole story with 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 Ben Riley really kind of being the lead here that. You know, he has he gets some kind of both some kinds of redemption at the end of this, but also some kind of independence where the character and and the independence, I think, is going to be harder because at the end of the day, you know, you got Ben Riley out there, the clone of Spider-Man. It's still, you know, kind of when you make it the most at its most derivative form, it's going to be another spider person. So, like, what can you truly do to kind of separate him apart from Peter? But like. I just I just also hope that there's kind of some level of redemption here and not kind of the redemption we were kind of getting in that Peter David series that we were not fans of, but something more tangible and, and, and emotionally resonant. So what about you? I mean, what, what are you hoping to see out of Ben here? I mean, I want to just back up what you were saying, which is like independence. Right. And like get, give him his actual own life to live, you know, like I if we're really going to dump jump into nineties nostalgia here, I mean, I think there was real value in like the kind of like back to basics, Peter Parker that they tried to get to in the nineties, even if it was through the Ben Riley story that people didn't really quite dig, but like, you know, Ben is an interesting character in his own right. And I would love to see him 
like get that opportunity to actually do that. You know, I think that was what people signed on to the Peter David book for hoping that it would be like a real Ben Riley, like, you know, as his own hero story before it was kind of more of just a follow up on the clone conspiracy and Mephisto nonsense and angels and devils and things. So like, I'm hoping for that, but I actually think the end of this book is really quite exciting. It reminds me a lot of the ending of superior Spider-Man where you and I had talked during Superior Spider-Man that like we thought perhaps it was their way of like actually maybe starting to fix the Peter Parker character by unshackling him from all of these memories and really getting him down to his core and what made him him. But here at the end of this book, we're seeing that core being like dumped away and destroyed, right? All those memories that he shared with Peter are now being erased. And I think that's actually really interesting is like, who is this guy if he's not Peter Parker, you know, and if he doesn't have those memories and I don't know, Mark, if you're reading this event that's going on right now, timeless, the big Kang event that's happening spoilers for timeless number one. But in that we get to see kind of like a little bit of the future of the Marvel universe. Like they like to do in those kind of digests where they show you like those web of things where you see all the different images from around the, the Marvel universe and there's one that shows like a scarlet spider on the West coast. And so like, I wonder if by the end of this, we have a new Ben Riley without the baggage of Peter Parker and his memories that can redefine himself on the West coast away from again, even just the physical baggage of the you know nearness to Peter Parker. And that's actually really exciting to me. I, I would be curious to see that if only because I live in LA and I would love to see a Spider-Man swinging around a place with no buildings that go above a floor or two. It's probably going to be San Francisco again, Dan. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But, but anyway, um, I do think that that's ultimately where we're headed is like some kind of reckoning that lets Ben unshackle himself from this thing that's haunted him for so long. Want to give a grade for this, Dan? Yeah, sure. I'm going to give this one a B. Oh, wow. I'm actually I, I, I thought this was going to be a case where I was going to go a, a shade lower than you, but I'm actually going a shade higher. I was gonna, I'm going to give this a B plus even, even I need with, to give this a B plus. But, you know, I think I'm just like those two kind of dumb moments. No, like, and I got that. I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, like yeah. for me, that was I, I guess <laughs> where I was thinking was like, oh, I bet Dan goes a minus and I'm going to go B plus because, see, oh, those characters acted dumb. But, you know, like, I guess. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, alas, I. This is why I, I should never predict how you're going to go, but I'm sticking my guns. I'm going to say B plus. I, I, it goes to show how excellent of an issue it was. Save those two character moments that that, you know, like, like I, but I, I think it truly hurt it from being, uh, you know, from a very good issue to becoming a great one. So, you know, but like, hey, this was this was a lot of fun to read. And this is the most invested I've been in Ben's story since this whole thing started. So let's let's keep pushing it, Marvel. Yeah, I think I should probably go B plus, but whatever. I, I, I'm sticking to it, I guess. So great. If you've enjoyed this show and you find it entertaining and valuable, you know, you might want to consider supporting us. You can you can do so by just recommending Amazing Spider Talk to a friend. But the next best way to support us is to become a part of our huge following on the Patreon. We can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. Uh, And Dan, we are also constantly making exclusive content for our Patreon members. 
Yeah, like a discussion of the Zeb Wells and JRJR run uh, back when it was first announced. So why not take $3.99, the very price of a new comic, and put it towards a month's subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. You know, I release all of our Patreon reviews three months after the comics come out and when they appear on the Marvel Unlimited app. But if you don't want to wait three months and you read this comic and you're going to forget about it in three months, why not like sign up for our Patreon and get our, you know, scathing or, or praising uh, reviews of all these <laughs> issues uh, right when those new issues come out? Yes, our scathing comment. This comic's good. This comic's bad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. Yeah, but of course, we know it's a hard time for everybody, as it is for us, too. So we appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing. But again, if you have the means, why not join our Patreon to support our continued existence? Well, the existence of our show. Mark and I will continue to exist. I hope. <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, so <laughs> follow the link in the description. It will guide you right there, and you can look at all the things we have to offer and make the choice that's right for you. And... Again, a thank you to all the members who've already checked out our Patreon and signed up because we couldn't do the show without you. But alas, Dan, sir, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning into this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coase with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and spider Madge. So, Mark, until I finish erasing your memory of the time that you bought me an Amazing Fantasy 15 with your son's college fund, what's our motto? Wait, What? I have a college hey, can fund. You, can you put this <laughs> ring on your head, Mark? <laughs> Absolutely. There's no reason why I shouldn't trust you, Dan. Uh, our, our motto, of course, is with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.